Hello and welcome to episode 140 of the Live to Walk Again podcast. My name is Jeremy Dixon, your host as always, and with me once again today, this is two episodes in a row. We have the whole crew in studio. Brandon Steven, say hello to the people. Jeremy, what's up? Oh, and hello people. Ricardo, say hello to the people. Hello everyone. Good to be here today, Jeremy. It is. Good to, good to see you guys. I know... Uh, we t- ended up taking a week off. Everybody, you know, it's summertime. Hard to hard to lock people down for interviews, and uh, just decided to push push everything back a week. But uh, you know, we have a great guest today. We have a great great episode. Um, but if if everybody out there could like, rate, review, and share this podcast, we would really appreciate it. Uh, helps us with the algorithms. We're available anywhere you hear podcasts. And uh, yeah, guys, I'm I'm excited to be here. I'm excited, uh, you know, beautiful day. It was September already. I can't believe that summer kind of flew by. It felt like, but here we are. It did fly by, and you know what we didn't do? We what? didn't get him camping. Dang. Yeah, man. I'm a. Uh, Have you been camping? No. Well, we gotta do I mean, that. When I was a kid, um, I know. No, no, we know that, but you didn't do that this year, right? During the week, no. so we didn't see you. Oh man, we no. gotta get you out. We gotta get you in a tent. Hey, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not a big. I, I, even if I could walk, I don't know how big of a. I, I'm not a big outdoors. I know, so. man. I, I really want to go camping, but I have no friends that go camping, and my wife doesn't want to camp. Your yeah, your wife oh. and kids would. You, if you take them somewhere with no internet access, like what's yeah. gonna happen? They'll skin him alive. Yeah, they will kill him and get back in the on. car Come and on. drive home. Yeah. <laughs> That's not going down. I heard yeah. a very interesting thing on a podcast while I was getting up this morning. And so this guy was saying he like he left for work and realized that he forgot his breakfast. Like he had made some eggs or something and left them on the counter. You guys are both dog owners. He f- turns around, goes back home. Walks in the door, his dog is on the counter, and is like eating a little bit of his eggs. And then he said he took his eggs and still ate them. Oh no! No, nope. not happening. Is that weird? I was nope. like, that is the most Hell disgusting no, thing no. I've ever heard, <laughs> no, man. No, no. Like, especially with like zoological diseases are no, running rampant. I love, rampant yeah, I yeah, love my dogs, right man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rest yeah. in peace to my dog Ratchet, who just died like a month or two ago. Yeah. He would. Uh, he was tall enough to get up on the counter, man, yeah. and reach his little head over. And if I even seen that dude like close to it, I'm like, mm, nah, I gotta make a new sandwich. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even like my dogs when they try to come lick you. You know, yeah. lick your hand, whatever. Yeah, I always wash my hands. Either. I'm a big hand washer. Yeah, you're a germ yeah. freak. We yeah. know. Yeah. Our boy Eric, man, he was <laughs> like, his he was holding his uh, dog up like to meet me or whatever. And the dog was almost like licked me in the face, and I was oh, like, "Oh, dude, I don't Jeremy, get down like let's that, not bro. start with you yeah. and, and I don't dogs." Get down like that. Yeah. So, anyway, um, yeah, man, it's it's been a it's been a good couple of weeks. Uh, you know, we uh, maybe getting the Seattle Supersonics back. Me and Brandon are uh, losing our minds over that. Oh, I know, I know. Um, excited to get some. Brandon doesn't even want to talk about it. He's just no. shaking his head. I'm just like. You plotting. don't want to jinx it? Is that I'm it? I'm plotting no, where the just, uh, wheelchair accessible seats are. Uh, it's like the, Mar- it's like the Mariners. I'll get hyped when it happens. Oh, okay. I'm so when, we, when they're like, when the Mariners clinched a playoff berth, then I'll be like, all right. Now I'm going to be like, we made the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then from there on out, you know, maybe I can get a little more excited about it. I got you. I got you. Um, yeah, so I'm excited, though. I'm, I'm excited to see Climate Pledge Arena and what they have to offer for uh, ADA-accessible seating. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, I know you've been there a few times, Ricardo. I don't know if you've paid attention at all to it, but oh, yeah. I imagine that, you know, it's a There's, state-of-the-art there... arena. I'm sure it's got, they probably yeah. did some good stuff with it. Their... Yeah, they have some elevators. Um... A lot of escalators. That, that's real basic, man. I mean, that's not. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, there's there's quite a few ways to get around. I mean, yeah. they make it really easy. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of what you know, today's guest is a gentleman named Garrison Red. Uh, he's super impressive guy. He's a he's a para power lifter, among a multitude of other titles that you could give him, like actor, uh, model. You know, probably an activist. Like he, he's he's all about uh, you know public speaker, inclu- author. Yeah, he, he did a TEDx talk. Um, but we talked about he lives in New York City, and we talked about the accessibility there because I I was kind of curious, just like what well, I mean. I always assume that it's probably not the most accessible city just because of how old a lot of stuff is there, um, and, and the, you can only do so much with retrofitting, uh, but. We talked about subway access and stuff like that a little bit, which I, I mean, that was, that was one of my, uh, uh, you know, you always learn, you learn something new every day, and I learned, learned some, some good stuff from him about that. So, um, I couldn't what? imagine though, like if you see, if you have to get to work on a train and you're, you know, you're a wheelchair user, you have to ride, ride, you have to make sure you get on at the right stop that has an elevator in it, and then you have to make sure you can get off and, and access a stop that near near your destination that has an elevator so and if they're out of order like what are you going to do you yeah. know you got to go up four extra stops or something well i um was um talking to gina about the podcast you know uh-huh. and um i uh said you know do you remember because we were recently in the last couple of years to new york city and she goes i don't even remember seeing an elevator in the subway because yeah, you don't look for them and then you know the crowds and the steps and stuff like that I remember seeing, you know, elderly people with canes and people would just, you know, kind of push them to the side, you know, you know, not physically push them, but just by their presence. So they had to walk along the walls and stuff. But one of the things that um, she told me was that um, one of the ladies from her book club had an aunt that lived in New York and she recently passed away. She was in her 90s, but she had been a shut in in her apartment because, because it was on the third floor and she was, you know, had bad knees. So she had to have everything delivered to her and had her health care workers come up there because she couldn't leave the apartment anymore because there was no elevator. It was a very old apartment building. Right. Yeah. Well, I thought so. I thought his perspective on accessibility was a different um, take than I, I guess, maybe just the way that he worded that um, being that it wasn't necessarily the wheelchair that's the problem right like if everybody if everything was built to the standard of a wheelchair then he could carry on with his day as normal yeah right and i'm just like okay well i guess we don't really consider ever consider that when building something like if everything was built to that standard Mm-mm. but it's yeah. not even now i mean sure you have accessibility but like do we build a house for you to fit in everywhere no. no. Well, and like he mentioned, you know, there's if 
however many like he he broke it down by how many people are um statistically statistically like how many people have have mobility issues and then you know if if like say five percent of every apartment building five percent of an apartment complex is ADA accessible there's not nearly i mean there's probably like 30 percent of people at least that have accessibility issues or, or mobility issues so it's you know it's just they don't they don't keep up with uh yeah and, and that's the thing like everybody's going to eventually have exactly as you get older issues, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah 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 like regardless if you need a wheelchair like you you know you might not be able to walk upstairs anymore right. or, or very easily like you yeah. mentioned with the the woman in new york so um that's pretty yeah that that was uh kind of mind-blowing and i know i don't know if you remember brandon but we went to pike's place market in seattle this is probably like 15 or 20 years ago now. And we, like, I, there's like these steep ramps mm. to get down into it. And Very we, steep. I lo- I took one look at the elevator to go down. Because Pike's Place Market's probably like 100 years yeah. old, close to it. Um, and, and it just is, it's the, narrow, the elevator looks so sketchy. Yeah. I was like, there is no way. And so I just like tipped back as far as I could and just rode down the ramp as you know trying not to uh Die. mow everybody over in front of me but it's like hey you know what am I going to do I'm not going to get stuck on this elevator so but yeah the the the, the hemp rope was worn yeah right. <laughs> hemp yeah. though it's a strong product don't 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 knock it um yeah I'm I'm excited oh and a little update on uh our microdosing you know, I know that Devin Cole, Colbert, Colbert, I, uh, it was Colbert though, I'm pretty sure. Um, he, I talked to him again this last week about, um, you know, because he does the microdosing and we're going to try to get him back on because he's going to be uh, the study that he's been working on uh, with like how microdosing affects pain and things like that. Uh, microdosing psilocybin, obviously. Um, he's going to be uh presenting his the findings or whatever the the study he's been involved with is going to be presented and i'm excited to hear hear what that is all about and uh and i'm excited to uh i think me and brandon are going to be the guinea pigs unless you want to try too ricardo but we're about to start a little microdosing uh regimen soon it doesn't get you high man you, you don't got a job, so you don't have to take, oh, yeah. you don't have to take a piss test. <clears throat> We're well, good. I just finished the safe room, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, it's uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm excited to try it because I have like bad shoulder pain and I don't like taking pain pills and stuff like that. Yeah. So I mean, if it does a, help a, with a lot of benefits. Yeah, yeah. There's the, yeah, there's some crazy stuff about psilocybin, man. It's it's like really a miracle drug if you get past the kind of the stigma stigma of it i saw actually i saw today uh san francisco just legalized uh psilocybin so in certain doses or just like you can I think just like i think like uh colorado and oregon and now i guess just san francisco specifically uh have have yeah made it so it's not illegal anymore to to have mushrooms in general huh. so. yeah i mean uh if, if you're taking a mushroom and you're not doing anything to it extra, like, and they just grow in the wild, it mm-hmm. seem like they should be getting penalized for having those. Right. Um, you know. So, yeah, we're, uh, we'll, we'll be 
be updating everybody on our on our travels with that. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to try it and see you know how it affects affects the pain and um, and like muscle spasms. De- Devin said it actually can it causes more muscle spasms with him for a while, but he's like it's the the trade off is you know just immense to to not have pain uh, in conjunction with the muscle spasms. So um, yeah, anyway, we're gonna try that out here soon, but. Uh, let's get to um, our guy Garrison Red here, and uh, we will talk to you guys on the other side. This week on the Live to Walk Again podcast, we are excited to speak with Garrison Red, who is a USA para powerlifter. He's an author, a TEDx speaker, a model actor, and the founder of the Garrison Red Project. Garrison, welcome to the show, man. That's a hell of a hell of a list of of accomplishments there my guy thanks thanks bro you know working just trying to spread awareness any way i can so if it requires me to do something i go and do it i love it i love it uh yeah you know so for anybody that doesn't already know your story you know can you tell us a little bit how did you end up getting injured okay yeah um i got I've been a T12 paraplegic for the last 12 years, um, last 17 years of my life. Um, I was outside on an ordinary summer night, and I got shot. And the bullet um, burnt the T12 section of my spine, which left me with paralysis. Man, man. And you say, so you said that was 17 years ago? Yep, back in 2005. 2005, wow. So, you know, were you, you, you know, um, are you, yeah, what what area of the country are you in? Are you out in New York? Is that right? I'm in New York, yep. Okay. In New York. So what, Um. yeah, like, what? where were you able to, I mean, did they have to take you in right away for, for like, spinal fusion, all that sort of thing? Um, nah, actually, the bullet never um, hit my spine. It, um burnt the nerves surrounding the spinal cord. So oh, I never had surgery. Yeah, I never had surgery on my spine. But I was in rehab for 11 months. 11 months. Wow. that That's a hell of a lot longer than most people. You know, I've been injured yeah. for like 24 years now, I think. And yeah, I was in for probably four and a half or five months. And I know a lot of the folks that are getting injured today are, you know, they're, they're yeah. kicking them out after a month. If, if they're lucky. Yeah, like three, four months. weeks. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. So you spent 11 months in rehab and that was, you know, yep. just, um, so just like learning how to do how yeah, to live with this to, injury. Yeah. Yeah. Just being as in learning how to be as independent as possible. So when okay. I got home, yeah, I was totally independent. I didn't have like a, you know, a nurse's aid or any type of assistance. I was able to do everything myself. So that was one of the um, reasons why I stayed so long. How uh, how old were you when when you uh, got injured? Seventeen. Damn. So that was yeah, man. That that must be yeah. crazy. So did you have to go? Were you still living with your with your parents when when you yeah. got injured? Yeah, I was still living with my parents. Um, we actually lived in a three-family house, so we had to get the bottom floor modified so that way it would be accessible for me. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so you know what what was that transition like 
you know, as a 17 year old, maybe 18 by the time you got out of rehab and were able to come home, like what, what was it like kind of getting back into, you know, the day-to-day grind of things um, after, you know, see we're all in that hospital bubble, like right after we get injured, you know, you don't Good. really realize what the real world is like at that point. But yeah. What, what was that like for you uh, being such a young man coming, coming back home at with, with a, with a spinal cord injury? Well, you know, at the time when I got injured, there was no social media, you know, and those type of avenues. So I didn't really have anybody to like reach out to or to even like admire, you know, how they get around or the incredible things that they was doing. So it was more or less like I had to figure it out on my own. And luckily, right after um, I came home from rehab, I was in school like within six months. So my by me going to going to school, I got an opportunity to like adjust in a s- different setting. So I got a chance to. So I, how I would put it is like it like groomed me for what was about to be like reality for the most part, and how to deal with people and things of that nature on a daily basis. Um, So with that said, you know, being in school, I started developing, you know, you know, just cool relationships with people. And it was pretty much a judgment-free zone going to college um, in the schools that I went to. So it wasn't like I was left out or I was, you know, nobody sat at the lunch table with me type of thing, you know? So with that said, that like <clears throat> just really got me able to be confident in society because I was treated equally just like any other 18, 19 year old. So, you know, it was a good adjustment. Yeah. My transition was a lot smoother than I would have expected. Yeah. No doubt. Um, so getting injured at 17, you were, I'm assuming you were still in high school at that point then. Did you, Yeah. did you just do like schooling in, in the rehab yeah, facility? Yeah, I did schooling in the rehab facility. So okay. you know, at that, you know, at that time, like I didn't, I graduated from high school in the rehab center. So. Uh, okay. Okay. Well that, I mean, Hey man, that, that's a, that's a hell of a job being able to, you know, pick up the pieces after that and like, Get, get your diploma get on to college and all that stuff so um well tra- you know transitioning to some of some of the amazing stuff you're doing now speaking of you know like you mentioned earlier there wasn't we didn't really have that when you know back in the day when we were when we got injured but um you know i, I love your kind of whole like message on social media and all the stuff that you you're doing out there um but i, I was interested in um how you got introduced to powerlifting and if that was like something that was like even on your radar before your injury, or if this is just came along after and kind of when, how long after your uh, injury were you able to get, get started on that? Yeah, I got into powerlifting um, about, I say like back in 2017 um, and how I got into powerlifting was through so I was in the gym. I was in a local gym, just working out, you know, casually, just doing it for my health. Because at the time I was like, 
you know, I don't really have, I wasn't having physical therapy or anything of that nature. So I just want to stay active. And then I'm in the gym and some guy comes up to me and he's a wheelchair football coach. And he's like, yo, come and hang out with me and the guys one day. And I'm like, all right. Uh, and this, this is an able-bodied guy that coaches um, the wheelchair football team. So I'm like, I, I don't know what this guy talking about. This guy is crazy. That's how I'm thinking in my head. And then I go one Saturday, they had a, a wheelchair football practice and I, you know, participated. And then I met with this guy, John Hammer, who's like the president of the Wheelchair Sports Federation. And he's like, you could be a Paralympic medalist one day. And I'm like, you think so? It's like, yeah, I see just how you build and everything. And I'm like, because I did play football growing up. So, and I excelled at football. And that was my aspiration to play in the NFL. So the, he connected me with the wheelchair sports club called the New Jersey Navigators. And from there, my coach entered me in a powerlifting meet that took place um, like during this competition weekend that goes on called Tri State. And um, from there, I was able to lift like 250 pounds, weighing 120 pounds. And Team USA got in contact with me, and it's been history ever since. That's incredible, man. That, that's very cool. And so are you planning on – did you participate in this last uh, uh, nah, Olympics? Partic- no, nah, I didn't participate in Tokyo. I didn't qualify. I didn't have enough lifts under my belt because of the fact that I got in the sport later in the quad than earlier. So it, within the sport, you have to have a certain amount of lifts within the four-year period as well. So Gotcha. And so yeah, are they – and I thought I heard that the Summer Olympics are going to go go off again in 2024 since they got pushed back a year in 2020. So yeah, that only is a couple correct. years out. Yep, that is correct. That's why a lot of our competitions currently have been back-to-back just because it's cramming four years worth of work into three years. So, you know. Wow. Wow. What about – so, you know, you mentioned that you got to kind of meet the the head of the – you know, adaptive sports or, or whatnot there in New yeah. York. Did um, have you, what other adaptive sports have you tried? And uh, I mean, um, it sounds like you kind of went out oh, for I football do. a little bit. And... Yeah, I did. I did wheelchair racing uh, with a racing wheelchair. Okay. I do hand cycling. Um, I do rock climbing. I do that quite frequently. Nice. Um, what else I do? I've done, I played wheelchair basketball, of course, here and there. Um, I pretty much tried just about any sport that is presented to me. So that's good. That, um, I did water skiing um, a couple of weeks ago. So, nice. you know, an experiment, seeing what, what else I like out there. Yeah. And I've done sports. I've done javelin, discus, and shot put before. Yeah. Oh, man. I've never even, I guess I've never even seen that adapt in an adaptive version. You know, I used to, like, in, in high school, I was on the yeah, track and field team and did some of that, too. So, um, but yeah. I can't imagine doing, you know, I didn't even know that, that was an option uh, in a oh, yeah, perspective. That's very cool. Um. Yeah. So, uh, and you know, like kind of switching gears, like to, um, to some of your writing, I know you've written a couple of children's books, uh, that, um, you know, like, I guess the event, is it the adventures of Bobby or, 
Um, yeah, Bobby goes on adventures. So Bobby yeah. goes on adventures. That's it. Yeah. yeah, so you know, and and I know, so Bobby's a, a wheelchair user from from the the I saw the cover of the two books. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. What? Uh, you, when did you kind of get the inspiration to do that? Like, when did the books come out? And uh, well, yeah. So during the pandemic, when a lot of us, you know, just was at home, unable to go out anywhere, you know, I just felt like something came to me one day. It was like, what do kids? you know, just thinking, just like, what do kids that have, you know, that are required wheelchair users, how do they get around, navigate around school? Um, because I've went to a few different college colleges and within there, each school accessibility was different. And when I say different, it could go from fully accessible, comfortable, convenient to two grab bars in a bathroom store, but you can't fit in the bathroom store. Mm -hmm. So how, how, yeah, what is the sense of these grab bars? Like, what? Right. so that's like totally inaccessible. And there's so many, I realized there was so many elementary schools that aren't accessible to, you know, the average, you know, wheelchair user, especially a child. Like, and I wanted to raise, I feel like if you start with the foundation, and we start normalizing differently able people or disabled people, as the pop, the world calls it. Um, if we start normalizing, you know, people out in public and things of this nature, then kids in school wouldn't be shy, wouldn't discriminate, wouldn't, you know, be mean towards, you know, students with, you know, disabilities and things of that nature. And... It's just representation. Representation matters. So the more times that, you know, we do things that are visible, then people are going to become accustomed to just individuals with disabilities in public. And hopefully that would change the view of society because currently we live in an ableist society. So a lot of things are very inaccessible for us. So if we start with the future, then I feel like one day we'll get to a point where, you know, everything is universally designed and could benefit me, that person, this person, whoever, you know, it's no boundaries. Oh, that, that's beautiful, man. I'm, I, I'm happy that, yeah, that's, that's a hell of a motivation. And yeah, I'm sure the books are great. I'm, I'm about to order a couple for my niece and nephews and, and get them get them on those books too they're they're just little guys so i'm sure they'll enjoy it um yeah, yeah. and uh you know so it, you you just spoke about um kind of inclusion and uh representation you know how did i guess how did you get started uh modeling and acting because i mean i know as a wheelchair user that's got to be a tough kind of gig to break into so how how did that all start for you um, and what, yeah, my kind of what friend, been... so my good friends, um, Ben Fine and Justin Butler from the clothing streetwear brand MILF, that they the ones that really had a vision for me being a model. Um, they was the first ones that saw that, you know, saw that in me when I really didn't see that in me. But, uh, you know, they came out with a streetwear line at the time, it was in its infancy stages. But it was a streetwear line designed to, you know, to represent everybody. And 
when it comes to representing everybody, you got to include the disabled population as well. And that's what people often overlook and forget about the largest minority. So they designed the wheelchair. Um, and it was a hospital chair, but that's, this chair matched the tracksuit that I wore for my first photo shoot, my first professional photo shoot, which got me into uh, Fashion Week Brooklyn runway show. And then from there, I connected with the Runway of Dreams, which is an incredible organization um, I'm a junior board member of, and the Runway of Dreams further expanded, you know, further expanded my status into the fashion world. So that's a bit on how I got into the Runway um, how I got into modeling and fashion and things of that nature. Wow, that's very cool. And what what was the streetwear brand one more time? I I missed that. 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 Okay. Okay. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll link that in there too. That that's cool, man. Like uh, you know, knowing the right people is kind of half the battle sometimes. So it's uh that's great that they were they were willing to include, you know, I want to be inclusive like that. So yeah. that's that's fantastic. Um so yeah, well let's talk about uh the Garrison Red project and kind of what what the goal of that is the focus of, of that project is and um you know like when you founded it and, and kind of where the idea came from yeah so back in 2017 that's when i was going through I, I don't know it was just a stage in my life where i wanted to fulfill my aspirations and i was working a government job it was cool it paid well but it wasn't where i wanted to be so um, I quit my job. And then at that point, people was like, you know, I was like, what I'm supposed to do. And at the same time, people was, you know, coming up to me on a daily, pretty much a daily basis, inquiring, how do I live with my particular disability? And I used to just let them know, like, this is how I go about life. And I feel like anybody could go about it you know in fashion we not as do things as easily because we all have different abilities depending on our level but I feel like everybody at some point can live as independent as their body allows them to which you know that may look different from each and every one of us but as long as we are doing the best that we can we you know we are confident it'll boost our self-esteem knowing that we gave something our all and I wanted to help so how I was going to go about helping I didn't know at the time until somebody brought the idea of I should start a nonprofit and just give back especially helping individuals um, with resources that have disadvantages um after especially if you experience a traumatic injury um it's different from, you know, a quant, um, being born with one, like congenital, because of the fact that that's all you know. You didn't know anything else. You didn't, you know, <laughs> for instance, like you wasn't an engineer for 30 years of your life, and then you had this traumatic experience that takes everything pretty much away from you, and you have to relearn just your whole body. And, you know, they both 
you know, disabilities, but sometimes with the traumatic experience, it, it happens suddenly. So people aren't prepared for what's going on. So, you know, I wanted to help those individuals at least, you know, and help them get back active. So maybe through health and fitness. And then it was a dual purpose of, you know, especially with the volunteers of bringing people together and promoting inclusivity. So now, for instance, if you know some of the abilities and this is for an able-bodied person, but if you know some of the abilities of this individual who have a spinal cord injury or who have cerebral palsy, then your the stereotype and your perception of them will be totally different, which is going to lead to, you know, just tons of benefits within the community as far as like things like employment. You know, if you see, for instance, if you see me in a gym lifting 300 pounds, you're not going to view my disability the same way no longer as you once did. And that just carries over to everything, to you holding a door for someone or asking them if you need me to hold a door, just, you know, little things like that where often you just go by perception and you might feel someone is weak and they're not really weak. They just have a different ability and have to get around. Yeah. No, I, I complete. That's, that's an amazing, uh, an amazing cause. And, um, so are you doing like fundraisers and stuff to kind of raise money? Yes, to, fundraisers. To... So I do fundraisers for wheelchairs, um, all types of stuff uh, as far as that. Like, and also, you know, I have events, so I bring out, I get volunteers to assist me with the events, um, or people to, and then I also have people sponsor certain events. So, I'm always open to doing collaborations as well, but yeah. And then I fund it through grants and things of that nature. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely link uh, the Garrison red project to the, to the podcast notes too. So, you know, hopefully people can, can donate a little money to you guys, help you out and, uh, and and get that message. And we take, and also we definitely take metal medical equipment too. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great thing, man. Yeah. Cause you know, you know, that, yeah, we all know like yeah. dealing with this injury, man, you, you come, you, you need stuff sometimes it just, you know, like insurance won't pay for or whatever, you know? So. Yeah. You know, and especially depending on like, like the necessity of what you need, you know, it's always good to just know that there's help out there. Yeah. And yeah, whether you, you know, you choose to, take it or not that's up to you but there's help out there so and then there's a lot of people like that have medical equipment that's lightly used for whatever reason you know but they can you know share with others and it can really be the difference in someone's independence sometimes absolutely absolutely man i couldn't couldn't have said it better myself um you know so when did you, you know, I'm watching some of your YouTube videos and things like that. Like, I can tell like how like inspirational of a speaker you are. And it, it's, you know, you definitely are, you have a, a definitely a contagious energy. And, um, you know, I, I feel like people probably are very receptive to you. How did you get um, involved with uh, the TEDx talk? And, you know, when did that, had that kind of, you know, come into your, into your periphery there and, and get, get you on with those guys. Yeah. So 
at the time, that was back in 2017 when I was going through this transitionary period of my life, I guess. Now that I look back, but um, yeah, somebody brought it to my attention. And when they brought it to my attention at the time, I didn't know exactly what a TED Talk was. So I was on YouTube researching, you know, just getting an idea of what is a TED Talk. And through that, I basically felt inspired. Um, I watched all of these innovative people talk about ways they could better the world. And it was just different types of topics. It wasn't necessarily like something specific, like taking away, I don't know, what's something big. Like, I would say we're yeah, like world hunger. We all know like we need to do better with world hunger and stuff like that. But these are other topics like developing cars that have zero emissions and stuff. And if you think about it, that will have a significant impact on many things that are affecting us today, you know, just because of the better air quality. I think it would lower global warming and stuff like that, where it just was out of the box topics where aren't these topics aren't often discussed. So with that said, I, I applied at the time. So I, it was like after a week, I was like, all right, I'm going to go apply. So I did my research on how to apply. I found one that was going to be in my location, like relatively like four months out and they selected me and they, I did like a two minute, I remember I did a two minute video interview on how I am going to change the world. And my topic was life is like lemonade, how life could throw you lemons and you add some sugar, water, and ice, and you can make a sweet, refreshing beverage out of a sour fruit. And that at some point we all gonna be thrown a lemon, and we it, it could come in all severities and all forms. Like it's not necessarily the lemon is just the thing that's put in your way for you to overcome in order to see your true path or your true meaning or purpose. So you know, depending on I guess how sour the lemon is, is how far you know. God wants you to go in life. Um, that's that's how I looked at it. And that's what helped me get to kind of where I'm at. Just believing that, like, he threw me a sour fruit just to show that, you know, I'm going to impact so many people and make so many other people's lives better. So, oh, man. Yeah. I love that analogy with the, yeah, the lemon and, and how much sugar you have to add to it and how... Yeah, how uh, the more sour the lemon, the the bigger the obstacle or whatever. That's that's very cool, man. Yeah. Um, so how like how was the response to your to your TED talk once you got to give it? Did you have a? I imagine it was pretty good, man. Because I've like I said, like I feel like you're an incredible speaker on on you know your YouTube videos and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, what kind of reception did you get afterwards? I mean. It was, of, of course, it was it was always a positive um, reception, but it was like I woke a lot of people up. A lot of people wasn't aware of some of the hardships individuals that our wheelchair users go through, just especially, I mean, in New York City and and abroad. I'm, I mean, outside of New York City, I'm sure the accessibility, there's tons of issues, especially in places I've been to. But um. Yeah, just so that I wanted the world to know, like, 
basic life is about overcoming and achieving. However, the key to success is just getting there on time or just showing up. And it's so many obstacles for us to get to work, us to get to school, especially if we depended on public transportation or, you know, some type of ambulance service and things of that nature. And, you know, we're pretty always on somebody else's time. And that was one of the things I wanted people to be aware of. Like the wheelchair does not hold me back. You know, it's just a chariot towards my independence. It's these obstacles and barriers society created that holds me back, you know, creating stairs to get into buildings or creating buildings without elevators and a multiple flights and multiple floors. So if those things didn't exist or if everything was everything was created using someone like, for instance, like a wheelchair user's life in mind, then what obstacles or barriers would I have? You know, it it would be just a race. I could get there as quick as anyone rolling. That's not the problem. It's these barriers that's the problem. I hear you. I hear you. And you know, speaking of the accessibility side of things, um, I I'm curious because um like I've been to New York when I was a kid before my accident, but I've never been um since being a wheelchair user. But what, you know, I, I imagine like all the new buildings are probably great and ADA accessible and everything. But I mean, there's a lot of really old buildings in New, like in these old cities, especially on the East Coast, like New York and, you know, Philadelphia and stuff like that. What, you know, what, what are, is, is that like a big problem out there right now? I mean, are oh, they yeah. like retrofitting stuff or? Yeah, that's a, that's a huge problem. Um, and for numerous reasons. So for instance, I'm not sure of the specific statistics, but I do know that 20%, 20 to 25% of the population is have some form of disability. Right. So I'm assuming like a physical disability, probably like or or um, visible disability uh, or anything along those lines, I figure it got to account for at least 13% of all this disabilities. Mm-hmm. I'm saying, and I could be off with the numbers. But a lot of the new building, buildings only accommodate about 2% of the disabled population. So if you do the math, there's a huge discrepancy right there. So it may be one accessible apartment or or whatever the case may be, you know, along those lines or one, expe- or one accessible condo, whatever you're looking for, but it's not multiple. So that's just going to go to that one person. Right. And then now you're left looking for something else to accommodate you. So it's still pretty difficult. I mean, most most of the time, I'll say like 70% of the time, uh, most buildings do have some accessibility and to get inside of them as far as maybe a ramp or a flat surface. But like it's still it's still um, an uphill battle when it comes to things like the bathroom and, and or multiple floors. So a lot of stuff still have multiple floors, but no way to get to it. So right. we still, we still dealing with that and, and the subways. That's what I was going to ask about the subways too. Cause like, I mean, you know, you always see like people going down the stairs into the subway, but uh, how do you get down? I mean, is there an elevator off to the side? Yeah. So you can access? 20- 
Yeah, so 20% of all subways are accessible. Um, now that also, so with that said, a lot of times the elevators are out of service just for overuse because that's how people's going to travel if it's working. And often the wheelchair user is left out because of the fact that it's, you know, out of, so you may have to change your trip, um, make a detour. And sometimes that detour can cost you 30 to 40 extra minutes in New York City due to the distance of the accessible stops. And is there, like, do you know which stops are accessible ahead of time? Or, I mean, are you able to? Well, yeah, we have, yeah, we have like apps and maps and stuff like that to guide us on what stops are accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the app, sometimes it could tell you, you know, whether the station's elevators in service or out of service. No, that's good. But still, I mean, I'm sure that's not 100% of the time. It's probably not, you know, it's not up to date or something. I mean, it's still like. Yeah, still, even out of service, that still changes your commute and add time on it, you know. So by seeing that it's out of service, I mean, at least you know, but it doesn't help you much. <laughs> Right. Man, that, yeah, that's too much, man. Jeez. That's a, that's a wild, wild world that we live in, but you know, hopefully it's getting better. And I, I'm sure with, with everything you're doing with the Garrison red project, it's just going to keep, uh, keep moving it forward. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk to you about Garrison is your YouTube channel, because I was, I've been watching some of your videos over the last few weeks here, getting ready for the interview and uh, your your can't feel my feet shoe report is probably one of my favorite yeah. uh, my favorite things on there, which is incredible. Um, you know, I see saw you you've, you've uh, tried out a few different kinds of shoes and uh, let letting everybody know from from a, uh, somebody with a with a disability or limited movement that like which you know which shoes work best for you and things like that. Like where'd that idea come from? Because I'm a shoe guy, man. So I, I'm uh, yeah, I'm all about the it's sneakers. Just one of those things. You know, it's one of those things that I realized like certain shoes have more like I have spasticity, so I determine a shoe's comfort by whether I have a spasm or not. <laughs> my foot is in it and. <clears throat> You know, a lot of other users, and then with having a spinal cord injury, you know, like your toes and your foot care is very important. So some of those stylish sneakers aren't the most comfortable for your feet due to the toe boxes and things of that nature. So I just had an idea. I'm sure there's other sneaker heads out there that's rolling around. Let me do something for them. You know, we, we, we shoot collectors as well. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that that was uh when I saw that on there, I was like, man, I definitely got to ask him about that because that's right up my alley. So, um, yeah, I love that. And then also, um, like your wheelchair tip videos, like what you know, I always, I'm always am so impressed by people like like yourself, and and I know we've had a few, quite a few other people on the show that that that's you know that's what they do on YouTube. They they show how to you know, do this trance, like a, a different way to do a transfer that maybe they didn't teach you in the hospital or whatever the case may be. But, you know, talk about like, I just feel like that's so impactful, like you, you putting yourself out there and being willing to show, you know, kind of the vulnerability of your injury and, and how to do things in a different way to help other people out. So, um, you know, talk about, talk about your wheelchair tip videos as well. 
Yeah, so with the wheelchair tip videos, everybody these days go to YouTube to learn how to do stuff, just anything. And YouTube is accessible from the from your phone. It's right there in your hand. So with that said, I felt it was, it was cool to just, now that we have these social media avenues, to take advantage of them and help other individuals. So that way they could go on. They could just type in how to put on a sneaker or how to do a willy off a curb and someone like myself would come up show showcasing how I do it and it can be the difference in someone doing it themselves and having to depend on someone to do it for them. So it's always good to share your knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, yeah, I thought, yeah, all your video, everybody's gotta go check out Garrison's YouTube channel. I'll definitely link that in the bio in the the show notes on the podcast but you know garrison why don't you give us uh your social social media links so everybody can uh go follow you and and i'll also tag you or you know put them all in the notes as well and tag you in when i post this but uh yeah go ahead and give us your social media links yeah definitely so follow me on instagram at garrison red um facebook at garrison red YouTube, Garrison Red. Everything is Garrison Red. So oh, Garrison Red, all right. I'm very easy to find on anything. You could Google me. I'm there. So everything should come up. Well, man, good luck. Uh, good luck with your 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 drive to the uh, the Paralympics. And we're going to – we'll be rooting for you, man. Hope maybe we can get you back on uh, – around that time in a couple of years here when you're, when you're going to be competing over there, Hope you know, rooting for you to make it. And uh, yeah. Thank you so much for, for sharing your story with us, man. Awesome, bro. Thanks for having me. Anytime, anytime. Talk soon. Awesome. All right. Have a good one. Yep. All right. That was my guy Garrison red. I want to thank him again for coming on the show. What like inspirational guy, like for real getting, you know, catching a stray bullet basically when you're 17 and... Oh, yeah, and that injury, like, um, burned, right? That's yeah, like, it wasn't yeah. even like an... Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. so crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah, man, I mean, there's so much to unpack there. Uh, one thing that I don't think we talk enough about on this podcast, but is prevalent, is the gun violence, man. And that goes beyond, obviously in our society in the United States of America, right? As a whole. But we've had several guests on this podcast, man, who have spinal cord injuries due to gun violence, which I think the statistics say that that's like probably one second second after like what car accidents or something. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So man, I wish there was the, like I know like cars provide I think more benefit to society than guns but like yeah. it seems like that's something that we could I'll get behind yeah I'll get behind we could eradicate yeah. spinal cord injuries due to gun violence easy yeah. it yeah, would be our easy guy, our guy Art Renowitzki man yeah like he got robbed then the guy got $20 off of him or some ridiculous thing and crazy our, our guest next week actually um, is a young man we're gonna do something a little bit different like he's pretty new. Like he only got injured like six months ago. Oh, dang. But he reached out to me. He wants to come on and talk about just like I want to. I want to hear what his experience is like with just being a newly injured person. Like during COVID, okay. like all these yeah. different things. Um, 
Yeah, and I know, I know, like uh, Ashley and Nikki both they got injured like right, and then COVID hit like yeah. immediately after. But um, and he got robbed, like so. Yeah, this guy we're going to be interviewing. He, he he's a young man. Uh, he got robbed, got mm. shot, and I actually talked to him uh, yesterday, and he said that uh, he was going to meet with the district attorney because they just caught the guy who shot him. Oh. So it's like that's probably. I mean, bringing probably bringing up a whole lot of uh, emotions and whatnot. So um, I'm interested to hear what his experience has been like, and um, you know, like I just want to be done with this injury, man. It yeah. sucks hearing about young people getting yeah. getting shot or getting in car accidents or whatever the case may be, and ending up paralyzed, man. It's just enough of this. Yeah, yeah. but but, but you know what? I think like Garrison here. One of the things that I like is he has a curiosity right in 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 his life and that's what's moved him forward right? right you know and uh and he's taken all the opportunities that have come to him right and he's he's fearless this was really cool dude well his uh take on the adversity you might face regardless of the severity of it right you will face adversity and how you're dealing with it so i mean he's speaking beyond the injury to me right like yeah. i was not even thinking about spinal cord injury when I was hearing him talk. Mm-hmm. Well, um, and it's TEDx, the TEDx talk, he was explaining what that was about. Like how you're, you're saying, like the adversity you face, like he was talking about lem- making lemonades out of, out of lemons, right? Which is, uh, you know, you hear that saying all the time, like, oh, you got whatever, like something bad happened, like, oh, make a lemonade out of lemons. And it's like the, the amount he made it, like the analogy of you know you have the lemons you add the water and then it's just like the amount of adversity you're dealing with just depends on how much sugar you need to add yeah yeah, yeah exactly thing. so yeah and, you know and yeah his, his he's it's contagious man like Absolutely. his energy is contagious he's a great guy like uh getting to talk to him like it, it was a great conversation i really enjoyed it and I mean, the the guy's a a freaking power lifter from his wheelchair. I know. So when I was thinking about, you know, him, I was thinking, you know, there is really no obstacles for this guy, right? Put a mountain in front of him, he just goes over it. Mm -hmm. He doesn't go around it, he goes over it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's how he approaches life. I think he's really, really amazing. Really amazing. I I loved his, uh, I know you'll enjoy, you'll appreciate that too, Brandon, his, uh, his can't feel my feet shoe yeah. review or whatever. Oh yeah, said. yeah, like yeah, that yeah, was, yeah. I saw that and I was like, "This is great!" Like, yeah, he just he reviews different sneakers and stuff and how they fit his feet and yeah, and that's a problem, man. I know I I met a few people that have to wear like special shoes basically because it you know it hits their toes at the wrong spot or right. whatever the case may be, and uh, and yeah, like I'm knock on wood, right. and, thankful. And that there he turned that into something. I, I mean, right. Yeah. I mean that's amazing. Exactly. Oh, yes. Yeah, spin yeah. into a freaking review. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he's it, it's it's incredible. I, I suggest everybody go follow Garrison. Uh, we'll, we'll have his social media links and YouTube channel and all that stuff in the in the description of the podcast down below. So check him out. And yeah, we'll we'll be back next week with uh, my guy Chino from down in Florida that. You know, unfortunately, is a newly injured uh, and newly injured spinal cord injury victim from a gun violence, as well as Garrison. So you know, it's, it's need to need to get that eradicated as soon as possible. But um, you know, we appreciate you guys listening. Please like, rate, review, and share. 
podcast and uh, thank you guys for coming down again oh, happy yeah. to be here in the studio with you boys and uh, do it again next week sounds good Jeremy